Hello everybody and welcome to WTS198. My name is Danny Murray and alongside me, as always, is a man who when asked if he was a Spice Girl, what Spice Girl would he be? He said, Sexy Spice, Graham Merrill American. <laughs> he just made it up there, a new Spice, I love it. Yeah man, yeah. yeah. Man, I used to love the Spice Girls. Who didn't? And then Jerry Halliwell wearing a union jacket and I got I vomited like pasta everywhere. Say, that 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 upset you greatly, did it? Yeah. <laughs> how, how are you, Graham Erdogan? Yeah, oh good, how are you? I'm a bit under the weather here with a chesty cough and a fucking head cold, but that's, other naps. There's a dose doing the rounds, isn't there? Oh, a lot of time, people. Yeah. 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 Since it's Christmas. You weren't you weren't hanging around with anyone who was hanging out in the Wu I was gonna say the Wu Tang province, but that's something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Wu-Tang Khan album you mean the Coronas yeah exactly Yeah, you weren't hanging around with any of the Coronas were you the Chinese people were inflicted with a virus for listening to the Coronas is what I'm hearing that's it man that's it yeah as I said to uh, one of the lads in work we were talking about it and I can't remember what I'm going to ruin his joke now because in fairness we go gag or something but I said to him hey, is that Coronavirus man and he goes I don't know mate I only drink soul as in the soul beer oh very good Took me a sec, Greg Ackman. Fuck, I'll give my name for a look. Uh, yeah, took me a minute, but it was top gags. Um, yeah, oh. man. <laughs> top gag. He's a good man for a pun. Very, very on the ball. Oh, God. I'm still recovering from last week's episode with the one and only PJ Gallagher. Unbelievable reaction. Actually, in fairness, unbelievable reaction to our two uh, podcasts since we've come back. So, no, no pressure for this week at all. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is the first one that we're going back to using the magic of Skype but uh, we'll be doing more face to face ones because we figured they're better so you do know. them when we can exactly um, but yeah now unbelievable reaction to it uh, loads of people getting in touch with us to say that they love the chat with Jack Bourne it was great insights and that and then loads of people including friends of the show Paul Todd getting in touch to say that the PJ Gallagher episode was fucking hilarious who, who friend of the show Paul Todd friend of the show and Phelan Warren friend of the show they're all friends of the show Graham oh, I, I didn't know who what you're on about there yeah I'm just I'm just looking at names on social media that have <laughs> tweeted us and Instagrammed us and everything else and talked about how they were on a Lewis for example and burst out laughing in public or yeah they had to hold in a wee from laughter and those flutes 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 galore man yeah so anyway go back and have a listen to them if you haven't already is basically what I'm getting at yeah, because I got messaged you today about our Christy Moore episode, so it's mad, isn't it? People just go back and listen and well, listen. listen this is it. Nearly, uh, we're coming up on the big two oh oh. So there's plenty of people to go back and listen to if they feel like it. Yeah, you know. Did you transfer money into my account recently and called it dildo return? <laughs> I think you'll find it was dildo rental return. I was wondering what that was. You fell in. <laughs> it's only after popping the you break. I was I was checking my bank account there and on, and I was like. Carl, my brother, my brother always does that, and I was thinking, uh, oh, Carl doesn't owe me any money. But it's like, well, and then it's just looking at me, looking at you, saying, "Oh yeah, Dan wants to transfer money to me yeah, again." Yeah, you absolute better. Yeah, because it's one thing returning dildo the dildo. Rental. It's, it's another thing if you've rented a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember Carl and me, ma'am? Me, oh, ma'am. Why did you do that? That is the greatest example ever of that uh, bank transfer thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've just I've I've only learned this week of a sticky outy vein on my leg and it's real sore, man. That's a thing, isn't yeah. it? Um, Varicose veins, is it? Is that what that is, is it? Yeah, is you need to get them taken out. Yeah, 
they're, they're like they're like um, aliens in, in the Alien vs. Predator movies yeah I noticed it there a couple of weeks ago and uh, it's very sore like yeah get that out man think about getting old isn't it think about yeah. getting old absolutely we were only talking about this the other day I, I strained the pe- pectoral muscle to be to be precise and uh, you wrote, you you sent me a message back saying, "Man, I'm sick of this getting old. I have to do stretches going for a show." <laughs> pull, pull the hammy, so true. pull the hammy on a bo- on the bowl, man. <laughs> Actually, right, uh, I was I was at a thing there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and David Gillick, Irish Olympian and and European gold medalist, was doing a talk, and as part of the talk. He gets you to run 400 meters, right? Because that was his discipline. But he gets you to do it while you're sitting in your seat. So you're just like you're running on the spot while sitting, right? Yeah. So <laughs> the thing is, though, you, like, you, and I was one of them. Like, you look around the room and suddenly you realize, even though we're sitting down and we're doing this, your legs, like, like people are like, oh my fucking god, I'm in bits here. How? What the fuck is going on? Like, it was just, but genuinely, I, like, I was, my quads were on fire after it. So from sitting at the desk? From, I was literally sitting in a chair, like, running on the spot while sitting, like, so just moving my arms and my legs, but my quads started to go on fire. I was like, this is weird, man. This is, I don't yeah, know. I, I, I always skip leg day, man. Yeah, yeah, I know, I've noticed. Can <laughs> <laughs> we go uh, to the guest? I was going to say, come on, we, we, we have a chat with our guest. Uh, delighted to say that we're joined now by... Knower of things, writer of things, and you've definitely read his stuff on the42.ie, the one and only Paul Dollery. Paul, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate your time. No, thanks for asking me on, lads. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, so, look, we'll kick off kind of with the, the dust is kind of settling on uh, what was a fairly decent return to action for one Conor McGregor. Uh, the narrative around it in the build-up to it anyway was that you know, the, the Irish support was spent. It wasn't really there anymore, that kind of thing. I don't know, for, for me, looking at it, it didn't look like the numbers were over there in Vegas as once upon a time kind of thing. But in the aftermath, uh, it seems to be a little bounce for him. What, what's your take on the whole the whole McGregor affair at the moment? Yeah, um, yeah, what a loaded question uh, to start off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> Paul knows this podcast is laid back, Danny. <laughs> Get the tough yeah, ones out of the way, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um in terms of I suppose to separate like the actual performance from um the overall McGregor um journey, I guess like did the performance. I don't think we are learned a whole lot of um new information from it really. Um, the UFC built Cerrone up based on his records. You know he's you know the most fights and most wins and all the, all these things, but. You're obviously going to have those records when you fight every two weeks, as he does. Like you know, so I think um, you know Cerrone's a. There's, there's no doubt he's been a, a legitimate guy in the in the lightweight division mainly, and and at welterweight for a little while as well. And I think certainly three or four years ago he would have given McGregor more of a challenge than he did a couple of weeks ago. Um, McGregor, you know, he looked he looked great. He he looked physically he looks good at welterweight. In, in fairness, I think it's a. It's a division I'd like to see him compete in a couple more times. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how he get on against the likes of Usman and maybe even Kobe Covington and, and Masvidal, obviously, is, is one that's there as well. Um, and he definitely, you could tell from the interviews he did in advance of the fight that he was in a different place to you know what he was before the Khabib fight. That was almost kind of unrecognisable from what we um, came to know of McGregor. But um, 
yeah, it's been a weird couple of years for him. Obviously, it's you know there was that such hype for for a few years, and he had the support of a nation behind him, and then the wheels came off. Um, and he, I suppose, he acknowledged that mistakes were made, and the unfortunate thing for him, I guess, as you alluded to there, Danny, is that he has lost a lot of support, and it's difficult to know if he's ever going to get that back. I mean, there are certain things he's done and said, which I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, there would be no coming back from. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff he would have said was, you know, there was racial and kind of homophobic undertones. And then when you, you know, you have the, you know, when he's in, in and out of the news for, you know, hitting that lad in the bar and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of carry on. I think a lot of people will find that will struggle to rec- reconcile with that and, um, he's gonna. It might, it might cost him in the long run, but you know, if if he's genuinely, genuinely remorseful, which he he seems to be, then then best of luck to him. But um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, Paul, you would have been close to it in, in your Cage Warriors days. Is that, is that right? Yeah, we, we we would have worked together fairly closely. Um, Connor would generally have kind of kept himself to himself and. We would have, I would have kind of gotten to know people like John Kavanagh and Carl Pendred and Chris Fields a bit uh, more closely than I would have done with Connor. But certainly, yeah, we would have, we would have talked plenty of times, and uh, I would have gotten to know him relatively well. Yeah. Would you have predicted what what has happened from from the early days of Cage Warriors to to now? I I actually remember after the the Bushinger fight, the New Year's Eve one at the Helix. Um, you know, putting up this Facebook post, you know, about how this guy is going to be huge and he's going to go on and he's going to be successful in, in the UFC. But like when I said huge at that stage, it was in relative terms because, you know, we hadn't had any Irish guys winning in the UFC and there was no real Irish presence there. I thought he might go on and carve out a half decent career for himself and win a few fights. But like to, to the extent that it, that it went to absolutely not, no. It's mental, isn't it? Like, and uh, you mentioned that cage wears New Year's Eve fight. I think everyone says they were at that, don't they? All the Irish MMA fans. It's, it's the equivalent yeah, it's of like, the GPO now, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's like when a uh, years ago Nirvana played down here in Sir Henry's, and I think there was about yeah. twenty people, at, twenty people at the gig. But uh, there's about a hundred thousand claim they were actually there. <laughs> well, what 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 do you think is the state of Irish MMA at the moment, uh, Paul? Like, uh, has have. In terms of legislation, have we lost momentum in, in getting that over the line because of Connor's antics? And some people will say, well, if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't be in the spotlight to get legislation, to get legislated. Well, what what do you think? With, where are we with all that at the moment? Yeah, I, I think it, it certainly hasn't helped. Um, and, and they were fighting up the battle anyway, even at, even at the best of times when, when Connor was fighting, uh, when he was active and when, you know, there was the likes of Paddy Hoolan and Carl Pendred were all active. I think it was an uphill battle anyway. Um, I know the likes of John Kavanagh, they're working away behind the scenes and the, you know, the tragedy with Yo Caravaggio certainly didn't help. But, you know, on the flip side, that that's exactly why it should be regulated here so that we, you know, that we can control um, the events that are going on. And, um, and you can see that the scene has suffered now because... Uh, there are virtually no events happening in Ireland anymore, certainly not a pro level. And, and the, the fighters that we do have, the likes of being Gary, thankfully, they've got like they, they can go over across the water to cage warriors and stuff like that. But um, in terms of recognition by the government, I, I, I don't see that as a, a tangible possibility at all, certainly not in the near future, um, unless we get an, another wave of successful professional fighters going up to the UFC and, and, and getting MMA back into the headlines and getting the likes of Ian Gary 
being positive ambassadors and he certainly seems to be he, he definitely seems to have the potential as a fighter and he seems i've never met him but any interview i've read or, or watched with him he's uh he seems to be a smashing young fella so the more of that we get then certainly it's going to help but i'd say in terms of regulation i i, I don't expect to see that in, in the near future at all just to throw another uh, loaded question at you then paul do you do you think the kind of uh, in fighting, for want of a better term, that's kind of happened over the last couple of months with the release of books from some of the fighters and that kind of thing, and some of the comments being made around the sort of the original group of SPG fighters. Do you think that's kind of doing damage to the progression of things, or is that all just noise in the background? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of more personal stuff between the individuals involved. I, I don't necessarily think that's going to harm the sport here as such. Um, Certainly when you see the likes of Chris Fields and Tom King having such, such success as coaches up in Swords and um, Paddy has had, had his own success and Owen Roddy and, you know, everyone's doing their own thing. And the only thing for me is that it's just, I just find it very sad that it, things have gotten to that stage because when yeah. we when I was working with Cage Warriors, um, you know, I was a, an Irish lad working with a lot of uh, people from the UK and we all got on great and we were, you know, a great team, but I, and it was all, you know, it was generally UK fighters you were dealing with. But I used to love when the SBG lads and the Team Rhino lads would come in because they were just this band of kind of, you know, really unified Irish lads. And, you know, they were so successful. And I, I kind of took a lot of pride in that, you know, when they came in and, and they, were, they started putting Ireland on the on the MMA map. And um, they were just so close, such a close bond between them. And it's, it's just sad to see that, you know, for a few of them anyway, that that's no longer there. But hopefully they can continue and have uh, individual success anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, I mean, it's weird, like, because there was such a amazing kind of wave, and, like, this, I know everyone harks back to kind of that night in the Tree Arena, um, where kind of, you know, the, the lads went undefeated on the night and whatnot, but it just seems as though now there is this almost vacuum that's waiting to be filled and as you said there's some of the guys that have gone on and they're fighting with cage warriors or there's a couple of guys in bellator and that but like what's needed to kind of kickstart it again because like you said like the likes of chris fields and the guys are having success in their gyms but there's still this kind of weird scenario in ireland where things maybe aren't progressing to the level that we would hope like yeah it's it's a difficult one to answer i just yeah, there is a vacuum is probably the right word for it. And you just need, I, I think, you know, the, the success of McGregor and, and the Pendrids and, and the Hoolins and the Ashling Dailies, you'd like to think there's going to be a kickback on that with the next generation of fighters that maybe we haven't uh, seen just yet, that mm. the, the young kids that they inspired might just take another few years to come through. And you hope that we get another wave that will kind of knock down the door of the UFC and, and bring them back. I know the UFC were... I think it was last year, they were even considering coming back to do a show here, even if there wasn't going to be an Irish fighter on it, just to kind of keep the, I suppose, the Irish market appeased as such. But I, I I wouldn't say that's going to happen anytime soon. So, so we, you just need you just need the fighters to come through. And I, I think they will because there is such a decent level of coaching now. I mean, John Cavan is still there with his, his guys in SBG uh, out in the Nace Road, although they seem to have more of a tie with Bellator these days. Um, mm. but the Chris Fields and the, the Hoolins and, and Owen Roddy and um, you know there's other others around the country as well there's a couple of gyms down in Cork here as well and starting to make progress so you just hope that the, the generation that McGregor and, and the rest of them inspired will uh, will eventually kind of get to that top level as well and it'll, it'll just it needs to kind of come back into the public consciousness because even with ourselves at the 42 when McGregor was at his peak 
there was a time there where we'd be publishing seven or eight MMA articles a day and you could see the mm-hmm. knock-on effect that McGregor's success had on uh, interest in elsewhere in the UFC. Like people were starting to kind of uh, take notice in just random fight announcements for, you know, US fighters that people would never have kind of had an interest in before. It wasn't yeah. just the, the Irish stuff that, you know, people were taking a, a kind of a, a much wider interest in the UFC and it's really kind of dropped off. Now we wouldn't, we'd notice it on our, our numbers and the traffic in the site, just even with the, the last McGregor fight a couple of weeks ago, it was, you know, incomparable to what he would have been, say, 2015 and 2016. So there is a sign of decline then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like, it, it'll probably never get back to those levels because that was just insane that mm. those first couple of years and the novelty of it and, um, you know, people just became obsessed with this this young Dublin lad who came out of nowhere as such. Um, so that was kind of a, a bit of an outlier, I guess. But you'd like to think that it'll get to a stage where we can get a bit more mainstream coverage for it again, which it kind of, you know, it's a bit rich of me saying that as someone who's in a position to give it more coverage. But I suppose you can only supply what demand is there. Do you think it's reflective of kind of where things are at with MMA in, in, in general? Like it seems... I, I don't it know. Seems oversaturated, doesn't it? Gonna, it's, there's something about it. I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, we're in Ireland, so that kind of thing that you're saying, where you know people have kind of fallen off a little bit. Like, I find myself now where I'm just, unless it's a major, major card, I'm not willing to do the stay up until three a.m. stint. I just r- mm. watch the next morning kind of thing. Yeah. Um I don't know. There just seems to be something like I, I, I don't know if it's. I'd almost kind of go from the time frame that that new crowd took over the UFC. I can't know their names or the, or the letters or the abbreviation that's involved and whatever they're, they're called. MG, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was announced around UFC 200, I think it was. And then kind of since then, it's just kind of a lot of meh about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's gotten kind of more quantity than quality, I guess. Um, and there would have been a certain novelty factor a few years back when the cards were less frequent. And as mm. you're saying, you could kind of you know you you had that stamina to, to stay up on a saturday night but like there was a card on at the weekend uh just passed um yeah in, and I, I i just completely forgot about it. it was only sunday morning when i woke up and actually realized there was a ufc event on which would have been unheard, unheard of a few years ago you know and so yeah there's probably an oversaturation but also i think a lot of people got fed up with the way things were starting to go because you know years ago one of the like when i started watching ufc it would have been through my brother and he he, um, he would always have said that the, the thing that MMA and the UFC had over boxing was that the best guys always fought the best guys. There was no mm. kind of padded records that the champion always fought the number one contender and it was it was a real meritocracy. But that's that's gone now to a large extent. And and I, I remember when, um, was it last year or the year before when Brock Lesnar came into the octagon after the Cormier yeah. fight? Yeah. yeah. Showdown. And it was just like, you're, you're watching it through your fingers going, this is shocking. Like, this is terrible. You know? I wasn't watching through my fingers, man. I, I, I was marking out proper. I was even loving Brock's cowboy boots in that clip, man. <laughs> no, that's not for me. They were classic, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like, yeah, right, that card last week. And that card featured, like, three former champions. Definitely two. The Sanos and uh, Junior DeSantos were on it. I think there was a third. But, yeah. like, but again, yeah, completely under the radar. And it was just kind of like, eh, yeah, great, uh, yeah, I might... I might see if anybody said oh that was a good fight or if there was a good start finish or whatever in it but otherwise i just i, I wasn't asked for it like yeah yeah three, three years ago unthinkable like is there yeah. demand in the on the 42 uh for mma paul 
Um, to, to a very minimal extent these days, I think it's you know you you do the the results roundups of the UFC cards and you'd you'd um, give you know you'd cover the the big fights involving Irish lads like James Gallagher and Bellator and yeah. stuff like that. Peter Quigley, um, Ian Gary knows well with Cage Wires is starting to be a bit of interest with him, and then of course anything with the UFC. But like Artem Lobov has obviously gone off. He's doing the bare knuckle thing, which it's not really for me. But you know, best of luck yeah. to him. Like, Joe Duffy hasn't appeared in the UFC for a long time. Conor McGregor obviously is back now and he's hoping to be active this year. And it would be interesting to see what impact that will have if if he does, as he's seemingly planning to have three or four fights this year. If that builds a bit of momentum again, it would be interesting to see if people start to, if it arouses their interest. But yeah, so yeah. certainly the, 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 there's very minimal interest from from what we see in the, in our audience. Yeah, it's It's a pity in a way as well, because like uh, MMA kind of, struggles to get mass me our mainstream media appeal in Ireland anyway. So like the likes of the forty two and, and other kind of digital platforms or where fans were going to get that kind of thing, you know, and if you guys are seeing a drop in numbers to the point where it becomes harder to kind of justify sort of putting the the legwork in because it's being covered elsewhere that people could get or whatever the case is. Yeah, it's I don't know, not to sound all kind of depressed Tell about our yeah but like it just it seems to be in a little bit of a bad place you know and it's 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 a shame like it really is because some of the stuff actually and i know it's not mma related but like the 42 i find has always been really good around kind of features i'll never forget gavin casey doing a piece on heather hardy a few years ago that was unbelievable like yeah and it's it's those kind of things that i, I think uh might help with them I'm, I'm just shiting on about trying yeah. to convince you to write an the mma feature man yeah pretty much the features as well on the 42 about um League of Ireland players that uh, oh, are fucking segue like, central Graham Erdogan. Look at the, that. The, the, the League of Ireland players that you haven't heard of in ages, and then it's like a, it's like a where are they now piece. Their those pieces are excellent. Yeah, they've gone uh, they've gone down really well. It's sort of they're really enjoyable ones to do actually because you know League of Ireland players in general are not going to have a high enough profile to you know, write an autobiography at the end of their career. But mm. like when you ring, you know, one of those former players, they mightn't have done an interview for 10, 15, 20 years. So they get such a, I think, a, a, a bit of enthusiasm from actually being able to reflect on their careers. And it's almost like an opportunity for them to write a, a little mini autobiography. And, you know, they are, you know, having read them, you know, they're quite long and they're full of detail. But you get so many great anecdotes because of the nature of the League of yeah. Ireland, I guess, you know. Absolutely brilliant. We were talking about the state of MMA there, uh, Paul, but well, in, in regards to the state of the FAI, I'm very conflicted um, in terms of underage football because I would I would follow a lot of people that are involved in schoolboy football and um, or, or National League football, 13, 15, 17s, 19s uh, football in Ireland. And it's, from one end of the year to the next, the the narrative always changes in terms of like for example we don't need a 13s league get rid of it then the 13s league happens and then there's a threat that oh they might be getting rid of it oh no you have to keep it or we're not producing players uh, uh, we're not producing many underage players I don't I don't see it that I see a lot of underage players from your reporting from the Twitter handle Kenny's Kids reporting I mean. It, it, what, what, I think the state of underage football from an international perspective is actually, it seems quite healthy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you, you can understand where the the opposition is coming from. Uh, I think it, a lot of it is the traditional 
powerhouse schoolboy clubs are obviously a bit pissed off that the younger players are, you know, from 13 years of age and 12 years of age now are going to be going directly to League of Ireland clubs rather than them keeping them until 16 and sending them directly to England, which is, I think, where a lot of the conflict of interest comes in from their point of view. But you can't argue, I don't think you can really argue against an under-13s League of Ireland um, setup. I mean, it's you're more than likely going to get a higher standard of coaching at an earlier age and you're then on the books of a, you know, you're on that conveyor belt of, of a League of Ireland club, which can only be a good thing, I think, for the player, but also for the clubs that, um, you know, they're going to have that level of talent on their books from from so young. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're stepping on a few people's toes, I guess, and I, I don't know what it's like up in Dublin, down in Cork. Certainly, I know the, a few of the, the stronger schoolboy clubs wouldn't be too happy about it, but look, it's it's for the betterment of of Irish football in general. I think that this happens, and um, I, I find it very hard to argue. It. I think yeah. yeah I, 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 sorry, man. I was just going to say I, yeah. I'd, I'd be inclined to agree there. I think thirteens in particular, because at that age group, you're probably talking what Kennedy Cup, Mardike Cup, those kind of things. Hmm. So there, there needs to be something else there for these you know promising young lads and, and young ones to, to to kick on to like. And I don't know. Yeah, is is it kind of the the bigger schoolboy clubs kind of getting a little bit nose out of joint syndrome because they're hoping that they get the glory if they sign for a team across the water. Yeah, but I I don't know. I think the 13, 15, I think that set up, I, I think it was long overdue. It's well needed. Like, So why people mm-hmm. would be against it other than for selfish reasons, I'm not sure. Like, Yeah, I think it, it kind of, I suppose you could argue that it's, it's risky preparing 12 and 13 year olds for a professional environment at such a young age, but I, I don't really think so. I mean, if a, if a kid is joining a Shamrock Rovers or a Cork City or a St. Pat's at 12 or 13, he's probably dead set on trying to make a career from the game anyway. And I'm, I'm sure his parents are encouraging him to do that too. If, if they're allowing him to, to join that, you know, a league of Ireland club. So, you know, mm. let, let, the, let them get into the, the highest level of an environment that they possibly can. And, I see, you know, we, we hear a lot about the, the Rovers set up and I spoke to Keith Fahey uh, recently enough and he's involved with the under-13s there and they were going off to Finland uh, just before Christmas there to play friendlies and just getting the, the highest level of coaching that they possibly can. I mean, how, how can how can that be a bad thing for, for the in terms of the quality of player we're hoping to produce in this country? Well, I mean, could it be a bad thing, though, if it's only... Uh... If it's only say Rovers doing that, or would would Cork City's underage set up? Would they be sent, sending teams to Finland or to to England or to Holland for all these tournaments? I think they're they're getting there. Yeah, I mean the yeah. I suppose the thirteens thing is 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 new for everyone, so it's probably early stages in terms of how they're gonna how they're gonna go about their business. But yeah, I know they're. I think um, Alan Bennett is involved with the under thirteens at Cork City, and you know he, he's obviously going to be a great guy for. For the kids there to learn from, so uh, yeah, the R- Rovers seem to be setting the standard, and and if that's the standard that everyone else has to get up to, then then so be it. Like, but you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, I suppose. You know, and if um, if, Ro- if Rovers are the example that everyone else needs to follow, then then so be it. But I think I think as well, people compla- um, complain, and I think I think it's a justifiable complaint to a certain degree in terms of complaining about thirteens possibly being too young. But I think. Their complaint as well is that there's a too much of a gap between 19s and senior football. So instead of concentrating on 13s, keep a 15, 17s, 19s, and then perhaps a under 21s league or a 23s league. Yeah, 
I, I don't I don't know about that. I, I, I not, like players are making the, the first team breakthrough um, younger than they've ever done. You know, there's players going right. to the first team at 16 and 17. Um, at 19, if if they're not ready to you know start pushing for first team football at League of Ireland level, then maybe it's best that they go play Munster Senior League or Leinster Senior League for a couple of years, get that kind of experience in men's football. I, I don't know if the League of Ireland can afford to take on an extra kind of adult uh, age group. We had that A Championship a few years ago. It was a disaster. And yeah. we, see, we see Rovers now trying to upset the whole thing, putting a second team in, you know, which is, uh, um, I, I'm sure you're going to disagree with me on that now, Graham. But, uh, you know, I, I think... It's, I don't think it's ideal. I don't think it's ideal at all. Um, I'm only that, all right, yeah. But what what is your opinion on that? Because I don't think it's I think it's far from ideal that only one team will have a B team in it. But at the same point, I can see why Rovers uh, have applied for the license. Yeah, I, Rovers are dead right to pursue it. It's not their problem that yeah. there's a that there there might be a vacancy in in the first division, and <coughs> you know it it might be um you know might be the most suitable option for them to fill it. We don't even know what's going to happen there with. Uh, Limerick and, and 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 that situation, but the problem is the you know that first division clubs are worried about becoming a just a vehicle for Rovers to get stronger and for and then that maybe Dundalk will follow it next year and then the the, the Premier Division clubs get stronger and leave the first division clubs behind. So I can see all the arguments against it, but uh, it's I I've no issue with Rovers applying for it. I mean they they're they're they've got to look after their own club and if they've got a uh, enough players and if they've got the, the resources to, to, to enter a second team then um, it's, it's it's not their problem if, if there's a vacancy opening up for it like Absolutely Do you think um, Noel Quinn's appointment will help the league in any way? Um, I suppose things can't get any worse anyway can they? So <laughs> exactly uh, <laughs> I know. Do, you think, do you think the, the kind of do you think is a, is a, there was any transparency in his appointment? Would you would you be open? Like, would are people fair to criticise his appointment in that respect? I think it's fair to be sceptical and to have reservations, and certainly based on the plan that he submitted, that he and his group submitted for the League of Ireland. I spoke to a few a few people um, who would have gone through it in depth and seemingly it wasn't a very impressive document at all so that would raise red flags certainly but we're in a position now with the FEI where um, the appointment of someone like Niall Quinn is probably only a positive it's a step in the right direction it might not be the perfect appointment but maybe maybe it's what we need for now a bit of stability and and someone like Quinn who can um, you know he can he can go in front of a camera and he can he can um, say the right things and He's got, he's got experience of actually, you know, being involved in football, which is a lot more than you can say for a lot of people who've been involved with the FEI over the last few years. So, um, yeah, it's I'm 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 kind of I'm undecided on it, but um, I think he's he's worked to go on at least. Yeah, I, I just as, with, with that with that document you were mentioning as well, I I've just found it. I've just I've never heard Noel Quinn go on pontificating about the League of Ireland until the last eighteen months or so. So yeah, I'm a yeah. bit skeptical with that, with 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 kind of with him not mentioning it. I've never heard him mention it before. Um, yeah, I I hope that he that he can bring in some sort of financial uh, investment into it. I think his name attached to it because he is going to be uh, in charge of the League of Ireland of domestic football I understand that is his directive isn't it 
that, yeah, that, apparently that is his brief, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll be seeing him at games, we'll be seeing, like, what, what something that bothers me all the time is that, like, the the Northern Irish League has a has a deal with Sky Sports and how we don't, like, is that something that Noel can do with, with Sky Sports, he, his, his connections there, look, Here's a TV deal. Played the League of Ireland. I know Delaney. Apparently, uh, John Delaney apparently uh, refused the contract with Sky Sports many years ago. Um, I think it was along the same deal with the national side that when he broke that deal, I think Sky were looking for the League of Ireland as well, but he didn't. He didn't want it. Yeah, a TV thing certainly would be. You'd like to think it's at the top of the list of priorities. It's. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, I suppose there's, there's concerns with Quinn that he might be, you know, not necessarily working on behalf of clubs in the UK, but certainly trying to maybe make it easier for uh, clubs in the UK to, to bring in the best players from the League of Ireland. And I, I, I don't think that in theory is a problem because the best players in the League of Ireland are going to want to go to the UK anyway. But as long as he's doing it and improving the standards, standards in the league simultaneously, improving infrastructure, as you're saying, getting the TV deal sorted, if his intentions are good in that regard, then you know, grant you know, let let the players go to the UK because that's what they're all aiming for anyway. But uh, he's got to have the he's got to have the league at the forefront of his thoughts. I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of him in general. Anyway, um, I I think he'll probably be trying to shift satellite broadband onto every club in the country now. <laughs> uh, I'm just he'll be on I don't all know. the jerseys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm not awe-inspired by the reform, shall we say. He's kind well, of, it's it's, it's, sorry, Paul. It's that Mother Teresa kind of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That got, wasn't it? There, there was a cork man on the line. I didn't want to take it, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he, he, he gave all... The, didn't he give all the proceeds of his uh, testimonial to charity and, and people are like, oh, what a dickhead, you know? <laughs> 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 There's an ulterior motive there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, oh, they can't giving it to charity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he can't win. No, that's true. That's true. Um, Self and Bono are both a pox. Go on, Mirawa. <laughs> no, I just want to ask Paul about underage, like the underage stars. Who's who's exciting you at the moment, Paul? Jeez, so many of them, isn't it? It's it's like, can you imagine how bleak things would be at the moment if we didn't have this wave, wave of underage players coming through? You know, thank God that they've. That they've started to blossom at this stage because you know we need something positive to to cling on to. But yeah, Jesus, when you look at, I, I mean, the, the obvious one for me is Aaron Connolly. I, I think he looks sensational. Um, yeah. He looks like he's got a massive future ahead of him. But then there's the Troy Parrots who hopefully will, if he doesn't get game time at Tottenham, that hopefully he'll get out on loan. Same with Adam Ida. He you know he broke in there at Norwich earlier this month and teams have been kind of been pushed out again. It would be nice maybe if uh, if they're not going to use him between now and the end of the season if they let him go out on loan. But maybe like to pick a, a less obvious example, I love uh, Connor Coventry, the young midfielder at West Ham. He's been playing with the 21s and that kind of holding midfield role. And um, he looks fantastic. He's gone on loan to Lincoln City there now and he's playing a few games there, getting a bit of senior experience. And Leo Connor as well, you know, again, yeah. a at right back, maybe you're not going to make the headlines, but he he's absolutely ready for for first team club football, and he's gone on loan to Partick Thistle now, which probably I, I thought he might get a, a better move than that, but at least he's going to be playing games anyway. But there's so many we you know we could be here all day talking about how how many uh, decent players are coming through, and, and and I suppose the really positive thing is that 
you've got someone like Stephen Kenny now overseeing it all, which, and he's absolutely the right man to to be yeah. looking after all those lads. Would and question to both of you: Do you would you have liked to have seen Troy Parrott go out in the January window? I would anyway. Yeah, um, it, the the comments from Mourinho aren't. Um, promising in terms of how much he intends to use him, even with the the injury to Harry Kane, I, mm. there was an assumption that Parrot was going to automatically come in and get a an opportunity. And I, I, again, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about young players and looking after them. But you know, he's going. I think he's 18 next month. I know it's still very young, but there's lads playing throughout the UK at 16, 17, and they're getting their opportunities. And it's not as if the guy doesn't look like he's ready. He's played a senior game for Ireland already. He's played a couple of games for Tottenham. Um, he looks as ready as any 17-year-old I've ever seen. So um, I guess Mourinho has never been renowned as a coach who takes a chance on young players. So maybe he's yeah. just got a bad stroke of luck there with Pochettino moving on and, and someone like Mourinho coming in. So, yeah, if, if I mean, the window closes on Friday, it might be, might be gone by the time... Um, this is this goes out, but yeah, yeah there is talk of a goal to Charlton, isn't there? Charlton, yeah, and I, I see today QPR are, are quite interested in, in as well. They lost the uh, there's a lad there was really good for them so far this season, Naki Wells. He was on loan from Burnley, and Burnley have um, recalled them. So um, I think QPR are keen to get someone in, and, and he's been linked with them, which would be a, a good move. Connor Masterson is doing really well there too. Paul, who's the who's the is I'm not sure if he's declared for Ireland yet, but he's underage. Uh, Oz, 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 for Brentford, is it? I I'm I don't know who who is that. Oh, I think you did a you did a feature on him recently. I think oh, he can. Oh, Benny, is it? Oh, sorry, that's it. Benny, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he's. He's with he was at Brentford and he's with uh, Rotherham now. Yeah, he's flying it in in League One and they're they're top of League One. And um, yeah, he's he was born in Nigeria but raised in here in Cork and he played. He came on in the 2016 Cup final for Cork City and then he went and had a really good season with Limerick. Um, and he I actually spoke to him about a year and a half ago and he's he said in fairness to him he was quite honest about it. He said, look, his preference is to play with Nigeria and and that is his aim. You know that's where he was born. Um, but he said if if a call up from Ireland came, it's something he'd be, find very hard to turn down as well. You know, he feels feels dual nationality, so um, might be one worth keeping an eye on. You know, yeah, he looks the part because I've I've seen I've seen him play like he he uh, he's certainly physical as well. Yeah, he's unbelievable pace, and I think uh, from reading quotes from the Rotherham manager Paul Warren, he uh, he seems to have really improved his end product. His, his crossing ability probably would have been questionable when he was in the League of Ireland, but uh, getting a few assists there now for Rotherham, as I said, they're top of League One and they're going really well. So, yeah, could be could be one for the future as well. I I think about Troy Parrott, uh, what Danny was saying. I, I think he, I think it's not encouraging. Do you think if if Potch was there though that he would be given an opportunity with Kane being injured, or do you, is it just all the the blame on on Jose? Yeah, like I'm, yeah, we're probably being a bit revisionist as well here now because Pochettino didn't actually um, he used them in a League Cup game, I think, and that was it. So mm. all uh, Chester, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, so may, maybe Pochettino wouldn't be taking the risk either. I just, I mean, I, we're probably uh, we're all so eager to have a pop at Mourinho whenever the opportunity. <laughs> itself, like, but uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Maybe maybe Pochettino will bring him to United next year, and he'll uh, he'll get United back into the Champions League. How oh, um. Nice. 
That that's a far, far way off. I gotta say. Oh my god, man! Ollie should be out in the fucking transfer. Sorry. Anyway. Do <laughs> you think <laughs> Pochettino will end up? Uh, do you think Pochettino will end up at Man United? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's not working with Solskjaer, really, is it? No, no, no. And and any anyone who tries to say it is working needs to take a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah, I think. Uh, that, wasn't there something with Pochettino when he left Spurs that? As part of his severance package, he uh, he couldn't take another Premier League job before the end of the season. So maybe they're just trying to write uh, out the summer. I didn't actually know that. I wasn't aware of that. But if that if that is the case, then or maybe there's a bit of method to the madness, I guess. But um, mm. Jesus, even even like today, as we're recording this, we're seeing earlier on, Southgate uh, talking about Alexis Sanchez coming back. <laughs> yes, and how he's and how he's going to prove everyone wrong. And I'm like, Ollie, just. For fuck's sake, man! Just you're as bad as Trump on Twitter. Just stop talking. Just <laughs> he's had a few brain farts over the last few weeks, hasn't he? Oh, man, it's like you want you want to like the guy. You really do, and you're like you know he's a legend and all that kind of thing. And I'm sure he's he's lovely, but at the same time, it's like Jesus, just stop, stop digging, take the shovel I think, off. I think he's been. I think he's been. Uh, scapegoat. Uh, he's cannon fodder. He's been. Yeah, he is a bit. Yeah. You know. Uh, I don't uh, think Ed Woodward will happily, yeah, he'll happily hide behind the the fjordy, do you know what I mean? He'll ha- happily be there saying, oh, yeah, no, blame Ollie, blame Ollie, blame Ollie. But, but, yeah, we all know he's, yeah. Before coming on here, the Sky Sports News are saying that they've uh, they've landed Bruno Fernandes from Sporting Lisbon. And, uh, but it was almost like um, Woodward has a PR company working for him and releasing the statement saying that Ed Woodward brokered the deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Graham, you, you, you know better than anybody about the PR world, Graham. It's not the, <laughs> the Ballybrack Bulls, it's Graham Merrigan and the Ballybrack Bulls. Get up, you know. Um, <laughs> Paul, how do you think the transition will go in the senior team with Mick McCarthy and Stephen Kenny? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a weird succession plan. Um, uh, I, I you you feel a small bit sorry for Mick McCarthy. He's constantly being asked about Stephen Kenny because of the you know the res, the results of the twenty ones have been so good and the performances have been so good. But yeah, I, I can't deny that I'm I'm not you know overcome with optimism and and enthusiasm about Stephen Kenny coming in. I think it's it's really exciting, especially for myself as a kind of a a League of Ireland advocate, advocate. It's great to see someone from the league going into the the highest job in, in Irish football. And um, I think the most important thing for Stephen is that he's given time because with the you know he he's obviously going to go for a policy of playing possession football. He's you know the, it'll be more expensive than what we're used to, and it'll be with younger players who uh, many of them probably won't have played at senior international level before and. Well, I think I, I, I'm confident that it'll go well in the long run. Um, there might be, you know, there might be one or two hidings along the way. If, if you know, if, if we're playing open, expansive football against the Germanys and the Spains, you know, we might get caught for two or three goals. And and then, if they're uh, if we're under pressure for qualifying for tournaments, then, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be people calling for Stephen to to get the sack. But I just I'd like to see him given enough time, given at least two qualifying campaigns to to get settled into the job and impose his uh you know his philosophy on, on the team because for, for Stephen I don't I don't think it's just about um creating a successful senior Irish team I think he's his goal is to change the entire footballing culture of a country um and that's a long term plan that's not going to happen overnight and I think he's already shown enough with the 21s 
I mean, it's just such a breath of fresh air to see an Irish team playing the ball out from the back and playing attacking football. And the players have shown that, you know, obviously, while it's a big jump from 21 to senior level, they've shown that they've got the technical ability to do that. So, you know, give them time and, and, let, and let's try and change the whole philosophy of Irish football and give it a few years for that to happen. Do, do you think he's a risk of... Or is he at risk, rather, of, um, you know, like Irish fans have this weird thing about we seem to think that, uh, you know, we are Brazil, Germany, Italy, like we, we, that, that we, we genuinely expect to qualify for every single major tournament, you know. And, and when you're kind of saying some of the stuff about Kenny there, in my head, I'm jumping straight back to uh, the, the Brian Kerr situation where there, at least for me I would have liked to have seen Brian Kerr get longer um, when he was in the job and given his mm. reputation with younger players and that kind of thing as well but I don't know what what do you reckon uh, Brian Kerr broke me heart when we played Israel at home and Robbie Keane got injured and he brought Graham Cavanaugh on in a must win game in the first half <laughs> and that yeah. broke me heart so I'm not yeah. sure Brian Kerr was his, his, his underage contributions are unquestionable. He was brilliant. But I'm just not sure. The I just think the senior team at that time was too big for him. Yeah, I, I suppose that there are similarities in that there are two lads coming from a, a League of Ireland background and um, have, uh, had a bit of you know experience at international level with the underage teams. But I think Kenny is in a position now where he is going to have a very promising group of players at his disposal. Thankfully, I mean, we can criticise the FBI for a whole lot of things. Um, <laughs> but one thing they have gotten right over the last few years is the improvement of the coaching structures and bringing in people like Colin O'Brien, Tom Moen. Um, these lads have, you know, ushered in uh, an era where we have some very, very technically accomplished players. And I think... Yeah, we, I mean, what you're saying there, Danny, we don't have a right to expect to qualify for tournaments, absolutely. Um, mm. and, and we were kind of spoiled during the 90s and, you know, the Charlton era that we, we got, you know, we got to, you know, three World Cups in the space of of four attempts, I think. And, um, yeah, it, it, but at the same time, we, we, you know, we don't have anything to, we shouldn't be fearing the kind of second tier nations either. Maybe we'll never compete with the Germanys and the Spains and the Italys, but we can certainly be in that, that next wave, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah. Do you I'm think? Sure. Um, do you think our women's team can push on and qualify for a major tournament, Paul? Yeah, I think they've got a great opportunity in in this campaign. It, it, it was a really costly late equaliser they conceded there in that away game out in Greece. Yeah, yeah. in uh, November, I think it was because um, I think the best is it the best second or the best four second place teams are going to qualify automatically as well, and I think. Uh, dropping those points, those two points has kind of left them just outside those best four. Now there's still a long way to go on the campaign, and they're playing Greece on the fifth of March at home. And looking at that game, I'm even away from home, they should have beaten Greece. Well, they were, you know, absolutely a better team than Greece, and and that was that was definitely two points dropped. Even though there was a bit of a positive spin put on it afterwards, that you know it's good to avoid defeat away from home. To a you know, I think they were Greece were probably a higher ranked team as far as I know. But um, no, it's. I don't know if I go as far as to say it's a golden generation for Ireland, but certainly when you look at all the players playing over in the WSL in England, the likes of Louise Quinn and Katie McCabe and Megan Campbell and Rihanna Jarrett just gone over to Brighton now as well. They're definitely good enough. And, you know, looking at the World Cup last summer, while, you know, I'm certainly not, not saying Ireland would go in there and compete with the best, they're definitely good enough to, to qualify for those tournaments. And 
it would be an absolute shame if at the end of their careers, the likes of Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan are looking back at having not played in a major international tournament because they are good enough, there's no doubt. Katie is brilliant. I even I, I see snippets of our uh, club football with Arsenal. Jesus, some of the true balls, some of her goals, she's absolutely brilliant. Um, they, they, there's a lot of the women's team going to America as well, isn't there? Yeah, Denise O'Sullivan is over there with North Carolina Courage. She uh, actually, like, they're the, the, the champions in the US for the last two years, and she's got their MVP for two years in a row. Um, wow. that's, a team, that's a team with uh, three or four members of the, the US squad who won the World Cup, so that gives you an idea of the, the level she's competing at. Um, and then you've got a few of the, you know, we've got Diane Caldwell out in Germany, Amber Barrett's out in Germany, um, Maria Horahan is in Portugal, so, do you know, they're all... Amber there. Barrett's in Germany, is she? She is, yeah. She's playing with Cologne out there now, yeah. Wow, because yeah. So didn't, didn't she all... score um, in one of Colin O'Brien's last games an equaliser in a important match? Or am I just making that up? In uh, Colin Bell's one was it? Or Colin Bell? <laughs> yeah, she scored. It was it against Slovakia, I think. Uh, That's it. Yeah, yeah. In Tala. Yeah, yeah. So there's like there's great attacking options there. Now you've got Amber Barrett, and Leanne Kieran, and Rihanna Jarrett. So. It's a very strong squad, so it'd be really disappointing if um, if they're not in the mix for qualification at the end of this campaign. Yeah. How are Cork City going to do this season, Paul? New, new if Neil Fan in the in a first full season, he's made some huge wholesale changes. Backroom uh, staff leaving as well. So, how, what do you think? I was dreading you asking me about Cork City. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just move on? <laughs> uh, yeah, What's the feeling down there? I mean, I'll be totally honest. It's 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 not um it's not one of optimism. It's I think it's going to be a very tough season. Um, and I I don't know if Neil realised the size of the job he had on, on his hands when he took the when he left Longford and took the job on because it's huge. Um, you know, you, you'd see the, the number of players they've lost. I think really in terms of senior players, all you've got left is Garrod Morrissey and Alan Bennett and Mark McNulty and you know Bennett McNulty are. are you know, I don't even know how many games they're going to play because you know those lads are are, are pushing on at this stage. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Morrissey's shoulders this year because it's going to be him in the middle of the park, and you're going to have a, a lot of young lads around them. Um, I think they've struggled to bring in uh, the type of players I think that Neil probably would have uh, expected to be able to sign I, this the season they had last year. Probably um, the club isn't as attractive as it once was, and financially the money just isn't there to to compete with the, not even the, 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 the Dundalks and the Shamrock Rovers, but the, the top half clubs. Um, I think I think they're going to be in a relegation battle this year, without a doubt. And if if this time next year, if Cork City are still a Premier Division club, I'll be very, very happy. Are you serious? It's that bad? Ah, yeah. If you look at the, the squad, it's it's a very inexperienced squad, you know. They, it's, they're going to find it very, very tough, I think. It might be between Cork City, Finn Harps, and depending on on how things go for Waterford, they seem to have made a few good signings. But I think those three clubs will be fairly close to each other towards the bottom end of the table this year. So what 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 happened with Cork in terms financially then? Because they did they they won some FAI Cups, they won the league, and then it kind of just went a bit flat, didn't it? Yeah, I think after they they won the double in 2017, um, I think John Caulfield probably wasn't able to sign the players that he wanted to um, and ended up probably making a few rush signings. And 
uh, had a a large squad, um, but a, a squad that wasn't filled with quality um, and not, certainly enough quality to to retain the title. And they ended up being overtaken by Dundalk again. And I think there was a bit of it's a it's probably a long story, but I, I think there was probably bad management on the field, but a, a bit of bad management off the field as well. And the club has gone from being in a really strong position commercially and um, and, and in, in terms of being able to compete with the best to being in a situation now where their backs are against the wall. But, you know, as a Cork man and as someone who grew up going to Turner's Cross since I was six years of age, I'm hoping um, that I'm going to be proved wrong and that it's going to be a really good season and that things will be on the up, you know. Yeah, because I love it in a good away trip to Turner's Cross. Yeah, it's one of the better grounds, isn't it? Yeah. How how do you guys see this year's or this season going in the grand scheme of things? Is it going to be again Rovers trying to get there, Merlo, or do you think this might be actually a year where they can do it? Well, we still haven't signed the striker, so I don't know where the goals are going to come from. Um, yeah. Although Aaron Green got 15, 16 goals, and then we have Dean Williams coming into the team this season, and he scored 15, 16 goals in the first division out in Lone last year. He's only 19, but I think he, uh, I'd love to see him be a success, but I'm not sure. It's I'm, I'm unsure because uh, Dundalk have lost a few players. We've strengthened. Uh, Pats have strengthened. I know going into last season, everyone was thinking that Pats is going to be the surprise package, but I actually think there'll probably be this surprise package this season. I think uh, Stephen O'Donnell has been absolutely ruthless with letting people go, um, involved in Pats, and then signing he's signing some players as well what do you think there Paul? Yeah um, yeah, I, I agree with you on Pat I think they're they're probably going to be there or thereabouts maybe not yet challenging for the title this year but certainly up up around the, the maybe challenging for third or fourth I, I think it's going to be between Dundalk and Rovers again um, as you mentioned Graham the the lack of a the signing of a striker striker for Rovers is the is the big concern there and I I just wonder if I presume they have because they were linked with them last year as well. But David McMillan, um, who was just phenomenal for Dundalk, has gone over to Scotland, and it's just it surprises me that it hasn't happened for him over there. He, he you know, he didn't get much of a shot with St Johnston. They sent him out on loan to Hamilton, I think, and he's now with Falkirk in the Scottish League One, and he's actually been on the bench for them quite a, quite a bit. I mean, surely he's worth the a punt they're bringing home and, and um, making making him kind of the, the number nine target man. I, I've no idea what he. Wants to do. I know he's an architect as well. Maybe he's maybe he's working off the field as well. I'm not too sure, but uh, I think there's in terms of like comparing Dundalk and Rovers, the Rovers I think will take a huge amount of confidence in the cup final. That I know they ended up winning on penalties, but they were undoubtedly the better team um, during the game. And I, I, if you talk to John Caulfield about Cork City's battle to get the better Dundalk a few years ago when they won the cup in 2016. He, he felt that that was actually the launch pad then to go on and win the double the following year that they just took so much confidence from it and they kind of got that kind of Dundalk hoodoo off their backs and I think it, it could be the same for Rovers this year I think Dundalk made a couple of good signings um, Greg Sloggett Daryl Leahy uh, this lad Will Patching who was at Man City for a while he looks like he could be a decent addition but I feel like there's more improvement in Rovers than there is in Dundalk I don't know how much better Dundalk can get I think Rovers can still get a good bit better and um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a hard act to follow here on this show, you know, following on from Jack Byrne and PJ Gallagher yeah. as well. But <laughs> like Jack Byrne is just a magician. Like he's just, I, I, I'm just a massive fan of him. Any, any player with that level of uh, ability on the ball and, you know, his dead balls are just incredible. Like the first game I, I went to watch him last season down in Waterford and um, the guy is just absolute class and hopefully he kicks on to another level again this year. It'll be good for Do you think we can hold on to him, Paul? Uh, it's going to be hard. If, if he reproduces the form that he had last season, it'll be very hard. But at least he's he's tied down to a two-year now, isn't he? A two-year contract, is it? Two-year, yeah. His contract is up in November. Okay, right, right, okay. Um, yeah, well, if, if he does go, hopefully Rovers will at least get a few a few quid for him. Um, but if he if he keeps playing the way he did last year, it's going to be hard. And, and if he does go back to England, he shouldn't go any lower than Championship because there's no point in him going down to League 1 and League 2 and having team putting the ball over his head and, and completely bypassing him because uh, he's allowed to you know put the ball into his feet and, and you know let him show his magic like but that's that's what I was gonna say like where like obviously I don't want him to go but where is the ideal destination for someone of his talent to go like would it be would it be out of out of the rims of possibility that he'd go back to Holland yeah I, I wonder I mean um like you guys probably have a better idea than me. I haven't I haven't spoken to Jack a couple of weeks ago, but it, certainly the style of football over there seems to be right up his street. And you saw how well he did over there with a team. Who I think we're actually in relegation, but he still he was still getting in the team of the week, and he was scoring and, and assisting goals fairly regularly. And yeah, that that style of football, the, the continental style, might might be um, more suited to him. But I, like the, England is where the money is. Even even at Championship level, you're going to earn a whole lot more than you would do in in, in Holland in, in the top flight there. So. Um, that that'd be the lucrative move, and if you know, I I don't think anybody would, um, say that Jack is not capable of of playing at an upper level championship team, and if his form continues at Rovers this year, I I would imagine there will be interest from from clubs in that uh, in that kind of realm. Lads, yeah. I noticed uh, I noticed both of you there failed to give any mention of Bowles when you were talking. What's that about, huh? What's that about Graham, huh? <laughs> I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna push on, but they have lost a few players. But Keith Long has showed time and time again how we can get the best out of young lads and all that. So they they seem to have a good underage system as well with uh, St Kevin. So um, I don't expect them to win the league at all, but I would expect them to be around toward fourth, fifth. They've brought in a couple of decent enough players as well, though, haven't they? They've signed at least what four players. Yeah, they have. Mm. bringing Dan Casey back is a, is a good sign for him. Yeah, like yeah. they're constantly punching above their weight and weight. And as Graham is saying there, I mean, the job Keith Long has done is phenomenal, <clears> absolutely <throat> phenomenal. Like I remember, I think it was two seasons ago, I was I was tipping balls to go down, and um, yeah, fine, I mean, yeah, you know that's that's the level of inexperience they had in their squad, and that's what I'm hoping this season for Cork City is that. They'll end up kind of having a, you know, being a bit like Bose and punching above their weight and, and climbing up the table in spite of the, the inexperience. And it's, I think it's a shame as well. I know. I think it, there's two things with Bose. It's brilliant that their membership is, is, I suppose, nearly sold out because they're they're anticipating that there'll only be about 300, 400 tickets available to the general public each game, um, based on season ticket sales and membership. Sign up, so that's absolutely brilliant. It's just a pity that uh, Daily Mount Park can't be done quicker than than scheduled. And also, I think it's only going to be five thousand. I think as well. In the new Daily Mount, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's enough, though, isn't it? 
Maybe not, um, maybe not for the Rovers games, but... I, I don't know. I think their, their popularity is soaring in the last year or two to justify it, maybe to even be 7,500. But look, I think the plans are already in and everything's in place, but um, I wish them no, no luck anyway. Shell's <laughs> <laughs> uh, returning to the top flight for the first time in a long time. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's that's great to see. In in fairness, they've uh, you know they seem to be a lot better equipped this time to stay up than they were um, whenever it was twenty thirteen when they when they were up last. Um, hopefully, they get off to a bad start though. They're playing Cork City down and turn his cross. <laughs> but uh, after after that, I, I wish them all the best. I think they've made great signings as well, actually, Shelburne. And I for a moment I forgot. So I think. I think they'll be looking to finish toward fourth as well. Jeez, yeah, a lot of, it's, it's getting feisty at the the kind of the top end, then is what you're thinking. Yeah, the kind of mid. I think I think Rovers and, and Dundalk will be going for second, and then the rest toward fourth, fifth, sixth. You could have Sligo in there. You never know how they'll start, but they had a good home record last season. Shells, Pats, and Derry would all fight for for those positions although David Parkhouse left Derry that would be a huge loss Paul yeah yeah I just see there he's after signing for um, Stephen in the league too yeah, yeah you know, he was a cracking player and uh, I'm not sure what the, what the crack is with the, the lad junior as well who was on loan from Colchester whether, whether they're going to have him or or what's going on um, he ended up being top top goal scorer in the entire league last year so um, they're another team who kind of um, exceeded expectations last year Declan Devine Kind of uh, was almost starting from scratch with the squad there, and he's but he seems to have done a fabulous job. And he's brought in Conor McCormick because they you know gone back there, and he'll be a, a great addition for them as well. Yeah, yeah, Paul. Um, we're, we're conscious that if we keep you out much longer, you're going to catch frostbite. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, Paul's we'll, in his car. <laughs> yeah, Paul's recording this in the car so that he doesn't wake up his kids, which is which is <laughs> a testament to him. Um. <laughs> Uh, d- call it do you think Ireland will qualify for the Euros uh, no I don't if, I, if I'm being honest I think it's you know being away from home in the playoff and the fact that it's only a, a one off yeah. you know it's going to be so difficult the fact that we have to get through two rounds is the is the issue I mean if, if we get through Slovakia my, obviously my um, my level of confidence will, will soar but um, <laughs> I don't I just, I just don't think there's enough Quality in in the group there, the like some of the performances, the the performance away to Georgia was was tragic. Oh, stop! Was really I, I was there, Paul. It was absolutely oh, God, love you. tragic. Yeah. I know Graham, it was tragic. Graham, Graham loved Georgia. Don't mind him. I, lo- I loved. <laughs> I, I looked at my friend on the road the sixty fourth minute mark, and I seen how slow Daniel Ra- Darren Randolph was receiving the ball for goal kicks, and I was thinking we're actually playing for the draw here away to Georgia, who have yeah. already. We've already got through the playoff through the Nations League. Who weren't really playing for it. They were good on possession, but they hadn't gotten on the, on the final tour. And we're playing for a draw. I could yeah. not believe it. I think Aaron Connolly was on the pitch for about 15 minutes and he was probably man of the match, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I just, I'm going to Bratislava as well. And I'm, I'm just mad about it. I, I just don't really have any faith in Mick McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, we were, um, the, de- the deadline is um, the end of this month to apply for the media accreditation for all the Euros games in Dublin. And we were just putting in our applications during the week. And I was just thinking how depressing it's going to be to be having a, a major tournament ha- games in Dublin and, you know, covering Slovakia versus Poland or whatever it is and Ireland not being involved, you know. Oh, terrible. And, and on that lovely high note, lads. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, wave of optimism for people now. Do you think to... we qualify, Danny? Uh, do I think? No, I don't think we have a fucking. No, no, I don't think we have a chance. Honestly, I'm going um, to say yeah. I'd I'd love to be optimistic about it, but just I didn't see enough in the uh, in the games already played in this campaign to make me believe that we can do it. And as as Paul said, the fact that it's a one, it's a, it's a cup final essentially before yeah, another cup final. Point. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just. I'm not optimistic. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong because, you know, um, there's something special about uh, Irish summers when there's a major tournament and we're playing in it. But mm. at the same time, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel about as optimistic as Jeffrey Epstein entering his prison cell right now. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Christ. I said we'd end on a high note, lads. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thanks so much. Paul, thanks very much, lads. If you if you want to get more from Paul, check out the forty two dot e and uh, it's at Paul Dollery on Twitter. Yeah. Thanks a lot, lads. Now, Paul, thanks very much. Thanks really so much, appreciate Paul. your time. Yeah, joy to speak to Paul Dollery, and he uh, a soldier sitting out in the car in the freezes of cold for an hour. <laughs> Legend. Did we do a couple of podcasts in the car? We, I think we've done one. We've definitely That's done one. Back, remember years ago. Yeah, we definitely done one in the car. We don't. I think we've done more than one in the car, but we definitely done one in the car. We do, we done one in Vegas that time outdoors, right. and we've done we done one out in David Norris's gaff, and you done one in Paul Stenson's hotel. That's right in the Charleville Lodge. Yeah, we've done a couple of kind of outside of Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel slash outside of Skype. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Oh, that's me hollering we're here to get yeah, that's right down National Rehab Hospital. Um Jesus, I forgot we we interviewed Me Hollow Murder Heretic. Oh yeah. What a gent he was. Gone as well. Sorry? He's still gone as well, the animal. He is, yeah, he is indeed, yeah. He must be eighty what, eighty four, eighty five? I think he could be older, but around around that, yeah. He's he's an octogenarian anyway. What's that? <laughs> Somebody in their eighties crowd. <laughs> I was half expecting you to say is that not a fanny doctor now <laughs> oh it's a gynecologist mate <laughs> oh, he's 89 Danny he's 89 yeah he's born in 1930 Jesus still mm. drives and all Jesus 1930 when you think of the things he's lived through oh yeah mental Anyway, um, yeah, that that's that that's WTS one ninety eight in the books. In the books. Um, Thanks, Paul Dollery. Yeah, yeah, pleasure speaking to Paul, and uh, not exactly the most optimist optimistic outlook for uh, the men's national team in the immediate future. But I would caveat that by saying Stephen Kenny is the future, along with, as David O'Leary would say, young lads coming through, a lot of promise, a lot of talent. Me and my babies. It's going to be good. Remember, remember when he was at Leeds and that's how he used to always prefer Yeah, 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 yeah. At the end he of the day. Like, he did so well at Leeds and, and then <clears> crashed that villa and then hasn't worked in England again. Yeah. Whatever happened to David O'Leary? He was doing stuff in the Middle East. I know. I think he, the last team he was working... I think the last team he was working for was in Dubai or somewhere, Saudi Arabia. Somewhere crazy like that. He was giving a start. Jesus. Madness. Anyway, look... Anyways, 
Um, yeah, if people want to listen to the over 200 episodes, including our back catalogue of the 600 Marrow, where should they go to find such entertaining audio presentations? They can go on any podcast provider. For example, you can go to Apple Podcasts, you can go to Spotify, you can go to uh, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, Podmean, and you can just search WTS Pod and they'll all come up. Subscribe and you'll have it every Saturday on Sunday morning and it'll just pop up to your screen and you'll put it in your ears and you listen to us have the laugh and talk about flutes or you can go to the website wtspod.com and you can search us on Twitter at wtspod he's at Danjo Murray uh, Danjo Murray uh, Danjo Murder he's at Danjo Murray on Twitter and I'm at Merrigan Mania on Twitter and until next week clear eyes full hearts can't lose, Bacara. Too sweet. <laughs>